When I left off last time in Isaiah 37, King Hezekiah was under threat of annihilation by the Assyrian king Sennacherib and his armies. And Hezekiah prayed to God for deliverance and he sought counsel from the prophet Isaiah. Isaiah's counsel was straightforward, it was clear. Isaiah said to Hezekiah, do not be afraid. God's word to Hezekiah and to the nation of Judah was simple and it was pretty encouraging. God says to Hezekiah, I'm going to send a spirit upon Sennacherib, the king of Assyria, and he shall hear a rumor and he's going to return to his own land. And God says, I will cause him to fall by the sword in his own land. To be honest, as good as that word from the Lord through the prophet Isaiah was for Hezekiah and Judah, I would have had a very hard time not being afraid in that situation. One after another, the cities of Judah had fallen to Sennacherib. The Assyrians had been on a constant warpath for 50 years leading up to this point, conquering kings and kingdoms. And that had brought them to this point where they invaded Judah. And now the final strongholds or the walled cities of Judah before the coming up to the capital at Jerusalem, they had all basically fallen to the Assyrians. And Isaiah says to King Hezekiah, as he has seen this systematic overthrow of his nation, God says through Isaiah, do not be afraid. It's like the other day, my oldest son wanted me to watch the new trailer for the new Jurassic Park movie. I guess it's the final one that's going to come out until they realize they can make more money making a, another final one. But this summer, another Jurassic Park movie comes out. And of course, in the preview for the movie, they have the token scene that is seemingly in every Jurassic Park movie where the main characters are about to be, they're confronted by the giant Tyrannosaurus Rex and it's standing before the characters and one of the main characters says, don't move because of course, this massive predator can't see you if you don't move. Now that's not entirely refreshing in that moment when you are standing before a beast that is like, 20 feet tall or bigger, and it is ready to eat you, but just don't move because it can't see you. The Assyrians were a little bit more threatening than the T-Rex in the Jurassic Park movies, and just being quiet and sitting still wasn't a strategy that was going to work in this situation. But that was God's word for Hezekiah through Isaiah. Just don't be afraid. I'm going to work. As the story of Isaiah 37 continues, Sennacherib, he has to leave from threatening Judah and Jerusalem for a moment to go and deal with a defensive force that is coming up from the south from Ethiopia in Africa. And the Ethiopian king is trying to forestall the Assyrian attack into Africa, which was all but certain after seeing what had transpired with the Assyrians in their march of conquest previously over the last five decades. If you study the expansion of the Assyrian Empire from the middle of the 8th century BC to this point in Isaiah 37, which is right around 701, 700 BC, at the very end of the 8th century, there was very little that was standing before the Assyrians to keep them from going down into Africa to expand their empire and their kingdom. Their power only seemed to be increasing, and their ability to conquer and destroy was seemingly limitless. No one was able to stand before them. And now Africa was really the only other thing before them. Egypt and Ethiopia had reason to be concerned because 
Judah was like a very minor speed bump along the way into Africa. So the text tells us that Tirakah, who is the king of Ethiopia, he sent a fighting force north to try to head off Sennacherib's attack. And as Assyria's army goes to deal with this preemptive defense from Ethiopia, he sends a letter to King Hezekiah just to let him know, I'm leaving for just a moment, but I'm going to be back. I haven't forgotten about you, and I'm still going to destroy you. So imagine Hezekiah's predicament. Most of his cities, the walled fortified cities of Judah have been destroyed. And the last major city to be destroyed is the capital, the one where Hezekiah's palace was, Jerusalem. And he receives this letter from King Sennacherib telling him, I'll be back. And what does Hezekiah do? Isaiah 37 says this in verse 14. And Hezekiah received the letter from the hand of the messengers and he read it. And Hezekiah went up to the house of the Lord, up to the temple, and he spread the letter before the Lord. And then Hezekiah prayed to the Lord saying, O Lord of hosts, God of Israel, the one who dwells between the cherubim, the one who is there between the cherubim in the temple of God in heaven. You are God, you alone of all the kingdoms of the earth. You have made heaven and earth. Incline your ear, O Lord, and hear. Open your eyes, O Lord, and see and hear all the words of Sennacherib, which he has sent to reproach you, the living God. Truly, Lord. The kings of the Assyrians have laid waste to all the nations and their lands and have cast their gods into the fire, for they were not gods, but the work of men's hands, wood and stone. Therefore, they destroyed them. Now, therefore, O Lord our God, save us from his hand, that all the kingdoms of the earth may know that you are the Lord, you alone. Now, here's the amazing thing. After Hezekiah prayed, spreading this letter out before the Lord at the temple, the prophet Isaiah sends King Hezekiah a message, and he tells him, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, Because you have prayed to me against Sennacherib, king of Assyria, this is the word which the Lord has spoken concerning him. And from there, in Isaiah 37, God outlines how he will judge Sennacherib and Assyria for their pride and blasphemy. Now, it isn't God's planned judgment for Assyria because of their pride and blasphemy that is interesting to me. It is that God says through the prophet to the king Hezekiah, because you have prayed to me, here's what I'm going to do. I believe that God is omniscient, omnipresent, omnipotent, all of the omni aspects of God that Orthodox Christians have held to for 20 centuries. But it is fascinating when God appears to move or adjust his plan or his will based upon the influence of our prayers. The Calvinists watching this will get uncomfortable at this point, but we still have to ask the question, how influential and impactful are our prayers? And would the outcome for Judah have been different had Hezekiah not prayed? We will probably never be able to know the answer to that question here in this life. We only know what the text says, and in Isaiah chapter 38, we're going to see that we're confronted with this concept again when Hezekiah prays another prayer for his own health and longevity, and God's plan appears to shift based upon Hezekiah's prayer. The hard Calvinist has to explain these things away, and I'm unwilling to do that. And I'm also willing to say, based upon what we see in passages like this, that our prayers are powerful. And if there are major happenings in your life that seem unavoidable and inevitable, like the destruction by Assyria of Judah, 
well, then you may want to bring those things to God in prayer because it appears that God hears and responds to our prayers. Something to think about. We'll see you next time. Thank you.